sometimes you only go out and deliver what it is that you set out to deliver. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in those other years, like especially like say the year I did for 30, like that was that was such a big thing for me. And I went out that day to do 430. So that's all I was ever going to do. Does that make sense? And it was the same when I did four. Like I was never going to do any better than that because I just went out to do four hours, you know? So sometimes it's about believing in yourself as well as the structure. That, my friend, was Aoife Mondo. And this is the Inspiration Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, hope everyone is keeping well during this crazy time. My name is Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. After running consecutive Dublin marathons from 2010 and on, with finish times around the four to five hour mark, Aoife Mondo decides she's gonna try an ultra and embarks on a journey that is nothing less than mind-blowing. In September 2018, she completed the Kerry Way Light 58km race. One thing led to another and she started to knock down podium after podium in Ireland's most challenging races, which led her to winning the 200km Wicklow Way Ultra and breaking the Irish 24-hour record, where she recorded an amazing 231km or 143.22 miles during the Athens International Ultra Marathon Festival in Greece in January of this year. Before we start, I'd just like to give a quick mention to the sponsors of our podcast. We run Wild Northern Ireland. As like everywhere else on the planet, all races have been postponed or cancelled. But we will get back to you as soon as possible once we start to see a global recovery from this pandemic. It's with great pleasure I give you Eva Mundo. So how's things going anyway? Good, good. Um, I suppose things are a bit different at the moment in terms of... Uh training and stuff like that with races being cancelled everywhere it's hard to kind of it's hard to know what to focus on and what to do you know yeah how to keep momentum and keep yourself motivated and all those things yeah like I had kind of um in my plan I kind of thought I'd be doing Morris Mullins next week mm. which is like about 50k kind of race so that's obviously cancelled and then the next one on the list was the Anglo-Celtic Plate over in the UK in May, which is also now cancelled. So, Yeah, that's a big uh, disappointment, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But sure, anyway, there's loads of other things. Yeah, the time will go by very quickly. Um, this Celtic Plate, you haven't won the Irish Fest yet, have you? No, I haven't. That was going to be my first outing. So. That was going to be your first outing. Um, I'm sure they'll move it and I'm sure your opportunity will come. Listen, I want to strip it right the way back because I was having yeah. uh, a little look at your Facebook profile page there. So I was okay. able to undig a load of things there that was I found quite interesting. Um, so 2010 is when you really started to lace up. Yeah, I did the Great Irish Run in 2010, which is like a, a 10K kind of race. So that was my first kind of outing as such. Um, and for that, I... I actually trained on a treadmill <laughs> and um, so my first proper outside run was that that actual race which I did with a friend of mine and uh, I was absolutely delighted with myself at the end of it had like a, a pizza and all sorts thinking oh my god I've just run 10k I need to celebrate you know mm. so it's uh, a long way from there I suppose. Yeah 6.2 miles is a long distance though isn't it? You- you get into the car outside the house and you drive 6.2 miles and you think to yourself, geez, that is quite a distance. What made you, what actually made you sign up for that race? Uh, well, 
every single year my husband did it with his friends and I used to go along and watch them do it and each year I said oh next year I'm going to do that next year I'm going to do that and then eventually I signed up and then I had to do it so that was pure peer pressure then no it wasn't peer pressure like they weren't trying to make me do it or even suggest that I do it I just kind of I don't like the idea of other people doing things that I either haven't done or can't do does that make any sense Yeah, I was just looking at them and I was kind of like, oh, well, if they can do that, like, I can definitely do that, you know. I think you find that as well, because when people are entering these races, you know, you think it's only athletes enter races. <laughs> and yeah. when, you, when you're not really into running yet, it's when you go to the races and you watch somebody and you actually see people at the back of the race and you're thinking to yourself, they actually inspire you then, don't they? They do, they do. And actually, um, like another year, um, Paul was doing the marathon and I went along to watch him come in and it, like it was really emotional watching all these people in their 60s and 70s coming in and like they were flying absolutely not a bother on them and I was kind of looking at them going oh my god like I can't believe that they can do that and you know I would like struggle to get through 10k you know I did read a post um straight after you doing that 10k and it was from Eamon Hodge and oh, Eamon, yeah. Eamon Hodge was like oh finally you've got he's got you into running um, you'll be running in yeah. the mountains next. And your response was, I'm just running the 10K. There'll be no mountains for me. I'd die. <laughs> Quote, unquote. I thought that was hilarious when you look back and read that. Yeah, I should probably go and delete that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you did then. You got a bit of confidence out of that, I would suggest. What time did you do the 10K in? One hour, six minutes. And you were absolutely delighted with yourself with that. Like, I so, was. It's, it's such a distance, yeah. isn't it? I was so, like, I really was so proud of myself that day. And uh, it, I suppose it was probably something I didn't think that I could do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then it kind of started me kind of thinking, oh, I wonder what else. And that year I did um, Dublin Marathon. That was my first marathon. So I went from doing the 10K in April. Um, to kind of signing up for a Dublin marathon. I actually, I remember signing up for it because, um, so back then the marathon sign up date used to, there was a fixed date for um, closure of it. It wasn't a case that it would sell out or anything like that. And we were actually on holidays and we were, we were looking at the, the website and I was like, will I, won't I, will I, won't I? Like it was the 29th of September or something like that. Like people should have <laughs> like made a decision like months beforehand, whether or not they were going to do it, you know? I just, in the end, I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And I just went for it. Yeah. So 29th of September, did you have many miles in your legs by then or are you just going to wing it? Well, so we, we actually lived in Balbriggan at the time and I had okay. run from Balbriggan to Skerries and back. And that was as far as I'd run. And I had no watch, so I didn't even know what the distance was. But I figured it was far enough. So Yeah, did you enjoy that day? I loved it, yeah. Yeah, I really did. Um, and it was one of those perfect kind of autumn days. Like, it it was nice and cool. There was no rain. It just, I don't know, it, it was just a nice day. And I I felt a great sense of achievement after doing it, so... Yeah, it's it's quite empowering, isn't it? When you come back and you think, "Jeez, like, I can't, I can't believe what I've just done." Yeah, and yeah. I was even going into work the next day. I was, yeah. So I ran the marathon. <laughs> you know, it was just it was it was a really good feeling. Yeah. So, what time did you get in your first marathon? Five oh five. 
505 how did you find that like that actual as i said mine was 614 and that was a real struggle like um was it yeah. painful experience so i ran the first 18 miles of it and after that it was a a run walk to be honest with you um but i like i was so green that i just enjoyed doing it mm. you know it wasn't it wasn't a suffer fest. I've done other ones that were suffer fests, um, but that one, I think the excitement of it just overshadowed it all. So it didn't, it, it didn't matter, you know? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing experience. Like, as back then, I ran my first, well, it was around 2011, it was Dublin. Um, yeah. And you just can't believe you've run a marathon because a marathon was huge 10 years ago for everybody. We don't have what we're going to talk about soon you know everybody's doing ultra marathons and back-to-backs and five days ten days and the whole planet's just gone crazy now but back then you know that was pretty unique being able to run a marathon like it was kind of like the bucket list thing then wasn't it it was a bucket list but you kept on ticking it <laughs> so 2011 12 13 i think you missed 14 15 16 17 i did exactly the same by the way i'd done it nine years in a row um, I didn't make it in 2019 because of injury. Your running actually was around that, wasn't it, really? Just sort of ticking off Dublin at the end of the year. There was nothing exactly. really huge outside of that. No, it would just, it became um, kind of like an annual sort of thing that I would kind of do. And it was part of my year. It was like marking out the summer, if that kind of makes sense. And myself and my friend used to run it together. And we do kind of our training in adverted commas and together and literally the pace was conversational pace like have a chat about what happened during the week what our plans were all that sort of stuff so it wasn't it wasn't about times it was just an opportunity for us to kind of catch up and then go to eddie rockets on the way home like <laughs> that's, that's all it was about and that's what it was kind of about you know like even we did kind of some kind of weekends away to do um there's a half marathon in Killarney and it wasn't about doing the half marathon it was about going to Killarney for the weekend you know and that's that's the way it was for for years and years yeah my, my favorite marathon I've done the world majors like is Dublin but I don't know whether it's because we all meet in the ginger man after it I think though it's the crowd in Dublin that makes it like there's people everywhere and because you're going through so many residential areas and there's so many people out cheering like you have to smile the whole time like you can't not because everyone can see you at all stages so you have to look like you're enjoying it yeah so they call it the friendly marathon but having done so many um like myself coming through that journey you've seen it grow and grow into what it is now um yeah. it's a long way away from where it used to be when there was about seven or eight thousand people in 2010 um to what yeah. it is now especially moving it to the sunday um, but it's a fantastic atmosphere in that race now, isn't there? There is. And I think it's much more accessible now. You know, it's not, I think for people signing up, it's a lot easier to go for it now because the, there's such a varied kind of field in terms of times. Like you're not afraid that you're going to be the only one left on the course for hours. You know, everyone's kind of, out there to have a good time like there is obviously the elite field and all that and i get that but dublin is more about you know it's about having a good time yeah i i just think it's a it's, it's a celebration of running that's the way i always take it 
And when I'm down yeah. at the starting line, you're seeing people that you know and that whole buzz and that energy. You know, I'm never nervous when I'm at the starting line of Dublin. Um, you've done the work. It's all about just enjoying the experience, and especially when you've done what you've done, when you've, you're towing the line a year later. Um, mm. And you can sort of reflect on the year before, and there's a sense of gratitude then, isn't there? Here you are again, healthy enough to be standing at the starting line once again the following year yeah there is that and then there's also like you kind of say okay well if I got through it last year I can get through it <laughs> like you're only asking yourself to do something that you've already done so you should feel a little more confident about it so I did write your times down here they might be right or wrong there might be um, another EFA out there but like 2012 430 then 455 um, 2015 458 then around five hours something happened around 2018 then you started to improve significantly and then in 2019 yeah. you just smashed your PB out of the window so what was your PB that you got last year uh 333 like how does that happen so uh I there's kind of there's a number of different strands to it okay the the marathon time definitely has to go down to the fact that I finally joined a running club last year I think it was last April and uh I actually the first time I went down I, I sat in the car for ages you know and I was just kind of watching them all and I just thought oh these people are like they're runners so that you know you're kind of it's like oh I'm just they're warming like, up they're warming up and all sorts of things I know exactly and um so I, I started training with a marathon group with Drahadan District and I think that, that that actually made a huge difference to my time because I think before that everything was always just like run as you feel. Like I just went out and I might have said, okay, today I'm going to do five miles. So I just did five miles. It didn't matter what the pace was. It was just five miles or 10 miles or whatever it was I said I was going to do, you know. So this kind of introduced a whole kind of um, structure. a new kind of structure. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think as well with the group, I did things that I wouldn't do by myself. So like when it comes to speed work, like I would never like this, I, I would never do that by myself. Like so, I think it, it it did make a huge difference to to how Dublin went for me this year. Yeah, and obviously like when you have times around five hours and four and a half hours like three hours 33 is around an eight minute mile um it's a huge increase so it really does show you know you're a great advocate then of what people generally do and don't improve their time because they're doing the same thing every year you know just going out and running yeah. miles or if you're doing the same thing you are going to get the same results there's absolutely no doubt about that um but changing the dynamics and adding a bit of structure then can significantly improve your time so it's great to see that because there's be plenty of people listening here who are sort of stuck around that time. If you're not in a running club, you should maybe jump on board and get a bit of structure behind you. Yeah, and I, I, I do think the structure is a huge thing and it did make a big difference. But I think as well, sometimes you only go out and deliver what it is that you set out to deliver. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in those other years, like especially, like say the year I did fourth, 30 like that was that was such a big thing for me and I went out that day 
to do 4.30. So that's all I was ever going to do. Does that make sense? And it was yeah. the same when I did four. Like, I was never going to do any better than that because I just went out to do four hours, you know? So sometimes it's about believing in yourself as well as the structure. Yeah, I was always trying to aim to break 3.30 in Dublin. Um, yeah. And the time I did break it, the post I'd done the evening before, there was no doubt about it. Because I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. You know, I am going to smash this tomorrow. Yeah. I've done it like 3.29.48. Like, how does that happen That's over that distance? How does it happen over that distance? You know, like 12 seconds to spare or whatever it was. Um, it's so much in the head, like, isn't it? A huge amount of it is. And yeah. it's true, though. Like, if you believe that you can do something, that is half the battle, isn't it? Yeah. And you can't, it's not even, like I always say, you have to do a bit more than think you might be able to do it. You have to know yeah. it. If yeah. you, it's a totally different thing than thinking I might be able to do this. Like, you know, if you know it, your confidence then, it's about your mind then just letting you go. Yeah. And I think if you're confident about it, it you you can control all those doubts then, you know, because you know you've done the training or you know you've had the right thing for breakfast or you know you've slept you know it just it, yeah, it I, all kind of comes I sort of have a list of things in my head you know uh, I know if I've slept I know if I haven't been out drinking that week I know if I've eaten well they might have no effect on my running at all but I feel more confident knowing those things were ticked off and then when I'm going yeah. out to do the run it's like yep yeah, I've done that I've done that I've done that I've done that because when the doubt creeps in he starts hitting you over the head. You shouldn't have went for that drink two nights ago. <laughs> Becomes like a little ritual. <laughs> yeah. Um, so generally then from 2010 to around 2017, it was just sort of standard running and throwing your hat into the ring, really. Um, yeah. The last two years have been phenomenal. And I love doing these interviews where I'm sort of unpacking somebody to try and see what they've done. And it's like, whoa, that's unreal, actually. So 2017, yeah. when did you start in the mountains? What was your first mountain run? So uh, a number of years ago, I'd done some kind of shorter stuff with Imra. Um, but I never really kind of, I suppose I didn't really take it that seriously or anything like that. Um, but then in 2018, I had been doing lots of hiking and walking and all sorts of things. And... I had always, because my husband has done quite a number of ultras, and I kind of thought, oh, I wouldn't mind doing one of them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just as a bucket list thing, not as a, you know, this is going to be a hobby or anything like that. Just, I just wanted to do one, okay? And I was looking around in 2018, and I was trying to find one that would kind of suit time-wise, and uh, so... I kind of, I was looking and you know, when you, you sort of don't really know any better. And, uh, I ended up signing up for the Kerry way light. Um, I think it was like maybe 58 K could be a little less than that. I, I can't quite remember. Yeah, um, 58 K. So that's in September but, uh, in 2018. Yeah. And, uh, so I signed up for that in the July and there was a, a marathon in Longford, a road marathon. In my head, this is all perfect preparation, okay? Because I don't know any better. 
and uh, that was in August and I thought oh I think it was maybe like three weeks beforehand or four weeks beforehand and I thought yeah that would be a good long run now to get in before I do Kerry and uh, so I went to that and my fastest marathon before that I think was 4.29 and I decided okay I'll run with a pacer so they didn't have a 4.20 pacer so I picked 4.15 and I had like my husband had got me this little kind of backpack because he was like oh you'll need a pack if you're like doing an ultra marathon so I turned up at Longford Marathon with my little backpack because it's the first time I'd run with a pack and um the pacer actually there Paul Duggan he actually he's from Wexford Marathon Club he does a lot of um ultra runs himself I know Paul well yeah he was like why are you he was like asking me why was I wearing this backpack I was trying to explain to him what what I had in mind and he's like oh yeah yeah you'd definitely be able to do that and that's kind of where it all started really then was that 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 race in Kerry that day um so yeah so how did that go then well if I tell you I was petrified the night before that is an understatement I was an absolute terror I really (laughs) I kind of just thought Eva what have you gotten yourself into like this is this is not a good idea and it just it just rained and rained and rained the night before and all I could think of was the crazies that were out there doing the 200k version like because they they had to go yeah I was like these people are weirdos why would they do that you know and even like the next morning it was just so gray and there's actually you might have seen it on Facebook but there's a photo of me at the start line and you can just see me like amongst all these runners and I just I actually look terrified and I really want yeah (laughs) even looking around at like what people were wearing and I was talking to this guy and he was like why are you wearing road runners? And it just, it didn't even dawn on me that I should have had something different. So I really, I was really scared now, I have to say. Yeah, because it's not, it's not only just 16 kilometers more than the marathon. It's over elevation as well and trail and a bit of technical sort of ground, which had been swamped with the rain. I know, I know. But you know, it was like, once we actually got going, all that stuff went out of my head. Does that make sense? Mm. And I kept bumping, bumping into different people, you know, who would have been doing like the the full version of the race and having little chats with them, saying hello. And it was just a completely different vibe to the road races. And I just thought, wow. And even that day, like the whole time, like I didn't push at all because I was, see, I had this fear that I would get like to about 30k and then I just wouldn't be able to to finish it you know so the whole time I was like okay just take it easy just take it easy and it just like there's a photo of me at the end now I look horrendous in the photo but you can actually see the sheer like I'm just there at the end I'm like I can't believe I actually did this you know I was just I was so proud really to be honest yeah so what happened then so then I had this little idea that maybe I could do the Wicklow way, right? And uh, see, my husband has done that a couple of times and I had gone down to, to see him at the end. This was 
back when it only went one direction. So it always would have started in Marley and finished in Conagall. So I would have, you know, gone along and met him at different parts and kind of thought, oh, that might be another good one to do, wouldn't it? Um, so I had to think about that. And I signed up for this one. Um, it's an Imra one, a sleeve, talk Muskry or something like that. It's about 70k. And that was in the February. And I said, okay, well, if that goes well, I'll do the Wicklow way. And then I met this guy, um, George Flynn, uh, doing that particular race. And he was asking me, so what's next on the plan? What's next on the plan? I said, oh, I sort of have this crazy idea that I might run the Wicklow way. And he's like, sure, it's only another 50K. Of course, off you go. And that was that was it. Yeah, so how did that? How did the race go in February? You came fourth on that, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, did that surprise you? Because not only are you just enjoying the race now, you're actually getting a little bit competitive. Not that you were planned to be competitive, but you came fourth in that race, which maybe opened a little door. Yeah, it did. Um, it wasn't part of the plan. It just it, it just kind of went that way. Does that make sense? And again, when I went out that day, it was all about, like, I just had this fear of, of going too hard and not being able to finish it. So I definitely... That was another one where I was just kind of playing it safe to an extent, if that makes sense. Like in my head, it was the distance that was going to be the challenge there. So I just I just wanted to make sure that I was able to finish it. Yeah, so that was 2019. You know, this is yeah. escalating very, very quickly now. <laughs> Dangerously escalating very, very quickly, should I say. Um, so you moved on then to, you decided to go down to my good friend Paddy Rose, he had a festival in Wexford. Yeah. That man's a legend, by the way, so he is. Oh, like... he is, lovely. Yeah. Um, so you've done the 12. He... Go ahead. He was actually meant to be the pacer in that Longford Marathon that I did. Actually, that was like around the time that he had his accident. So it's yeah. funny. And we had him on the podcast. Anybody wants to know about his accident, go and listen to that. But you may not get to hear about it because Owen Fenton just talked the whole way through it we have a bit of a standing <laughs> joke there <laughs> it's now Owen Fenton's po- podcast like um but you've done amazing in that so you entered the 12 hour race was that a looped course yes it was okay so that one I entered because so obviously I'd signed up for this um Wicklow Way thing and I knew that was going to be you know, I was going to be on my feet for a really long time. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, it might be a good idea to try running for, you know, a considerable amount of time before I start um, buying up Wicklow. So uh, that was the whole reason behind doing that one. It wasn't that I actually had any desire to do a 12-hour race or anything like that. I just um, I just wanted to get 12 hours of running in. Just good but, opportunity. Um, yeah, it just and the timing of it in my head seemed seemed good for Wicklow. But I had like I had an absolutely horrendous week in work that week and I was really tired and probably a bit contrary. And I thought, no, I really don't want to do this, don't want to do this, don't want to do this. And it was lashing rain, then I really didn't want to do it. And I remember driving down the car, it's like, oh, this is such a stupid idea. Why am I doing this? And um so anyway, it rained. And it rained and it rained. So at the start, I remember, like, so we're all, like, at the start line and uh, they, they, the race started and everyone ran off. And, like, I was, like, I was ages behind them all. 
and uh, I just thought oh my god like this this is definitely not a good idea <laughs> like I can't even keep up with them for the first laugh you know it just I don't know but anyway that one worked out well in the end yeah well you came first yeah yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah that but, one worked out well you came first yeah um so how uh, far did you run uh not that far um Shh. i think it was like 112 or so kilometers in, yeah. in 12 hours so when you listen back to this and you just said not actually that far 12 hours 112 <laughs> no, not, not that far for like a, a 12 hour race if that makes sense yeah i just so it was it was a funny one i was actually um i was in second place for for a huge amount of time in the race but i didn't i don't know if i knew or i didn't i don't know but it was kind of only around uh when i had about an hour and a half to go that i kind of decided oh gosh if i actually worked a little bit at this i i might be able to win um, and I've never won anything in my life, not even a raffle. Um, and I just kind of, it was like this red mist descended while I was just going for it. Um, so, yeah. So you, t- out. you took first place then in the last hour, is that right? Yeah. Um, did that open, was that a little bit of learning that you took out of that then? That you had a bit more there to give and your, your, your pacing obviously does you really well. Like, um, but maybe, you know, that comp- the competitiveness part of you made you pull out a bit more of yourself. Yeah, like I can be competitive. Um, certainly, so you know, in that moment, I was like, oh, I'd love to just win because it was almost like part of me thought, oh, this could be my only opportunity to win something. Do you know that kind of way? I didn't want to. I didn't want to let it go. Does that sound awful when I say it out loud? Probably does. Whatever. When was that? Was that March, April time? April, yeah. April so that was only 11 months ago keep in mind like that's pretty impressive when you think about that yeah um so this was a build up it was good to get the 62 miles or the 100k ticked off as well that was a good week bonus yeah yeah it was nice you know and so you moved into the carry way now the carry way oh sorry the Wicklow way it was 127 kilometers good bit of climbing I've done the 50 miler that we had in I think it was November or December time so I know what it's like yeah um so it can be quite tough it can be windy it can be all those good things but a beautiful place like absolutely beautiful but it is 127 kilometers (laughs) was your husband in the race as well uh no, he has done it quite a number of times, um, but he was actually supporting me this time around. He was doing great. Uh, was What's really... his best time? Do you know? I, oh, I think it's <laughs> maybe eighteen hours something. Eighteen hours and something. Yeah. Um, slower than yours, anyway. Sorry, I, that was that was bold. I know. I mean, <laughs> like, towards it. I was like, please don't make me say this. <laughs> um so that was amazing so you have had this because it's all brand new to you it's all like pushing limits you're really leaping out of your comfort zone or what you think is your comfort zone um so how did you feel at the start of this race so that one when i kind of put it out there that i was going to do that one um 
the response I kind of got back was a bit like, um, was like, oh, have a go at that. That's a good one to have a go at, you know? And like, my back <laughs> was just arch. I was like, what do you mean, have a go? Like, I'm not gonna, you know, I just, I wouldn't sign up or put myself on the start line if I didn't intend to do it. Like, I'm not going to try it. I'm going to do it. Unless my leg is hanging off, you know, I'm like, I'm finishing it, you know. But you see, the the bit that had really knocked me was because I had looked at the the record for Wicklow and uh, I kind of thought, oh, that seems, you know, that might be attainable. And then when the response was, have a go, I thought, okay, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm it. Over- overreaching a bit, you know. But um, just yeah, go, that just goes to show but, you have to be careful in how you absorb what people are saying to you. Yeah, well, see, I don't think it is deterred me. Like it just arched the back, you know. I was like, well, actually, I can do this, you know. Like I wasn't letting it kind of make me think, oh no, maybe I can't do this. It's kind of like, well. I'm actually going to show you that I can, you know. Yeah, but you're very, you're obviously very strong-minded, but there are a lot of people out there and I, I try and do my best to build people up, especially yeah. people that are really new to running because you know what they're capable of long before they are. And, you know, they haven't got the confidence of running three or four miles when you know, you know, everybody's got a marathon in them. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, a lot of people do listen to other people and, it sort of holds them back a bit. Sometimes you just have to take that leap of faith because what's the worst that can happen? You get left home to the pub and wait for everybody <laughs> else to finish, you know, win-win situation. But the thing about it is, like, if you're if you're doing, like, say, like the Wicklow Way, it's 127 kilometers, even if you don't finish it, you've probably done more than what other people would ever kind of dream of doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So even if you didn't do it, you'd probably still put in a good day in the office. So did you have any low points in that race, being such a long race? That wouldn't, no, that went, that just went really well. Um, I th- I think, like, I I had prepped a lot for it. I'd hiked out the route a lot. Um, so I kind of, I knew it in my head. So when I went on the day, it was kind of just, it was just delivery. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was just about getting it done, you know? Do you find that the hiking aspect of it, you know, really benefits building that strength into your legs? It does. Um, the reason why I spent so much time hiking that, though, was because I was afraid I'd get lost. I appreciate that it's a waymarked trail. And people will laugh at the fact that I was afraid I was going to get lost, but I really was. Um, so that was why I spent so much time hiking at eight. Yeah, but to be fair, like it is so easy to get lost in the Wicklow Way. Um, I know when I'd done the race in December, you're looking for the yellow men. And mm-hmm. when it was dark, some of those yellow men are pa- painted on. They're not reflective. Yeah. And you can yeah. actually miss them very, very easily, you know. So, And next thing yeah. you know, you've gone downhill about half a mile and you're like, damn have to turn and go back can i just ask why is it when you make those mistakes you've always gone downhill yeah. like you always come back like it, it never happens the other way around ever when you get a real good stretch downhill you start doubting yourself you're like mm, i hope this is the right way <laughs> yeah yeah 
I, I, I had one of those moments. We'll talk about that one later. So it was, you actually came first in that race. Yeah. And you broke a, did you break the course record in that? Uh, yeah. So it was, I think it was like around 1650 maybe. So yeah. yeah. So 16 hours and six minutes. So there's a, a number of things jumped out the box there. You know, number one, you were delighted to finish. Number two, yeah. you were delighted to finish first. And then to just blow your own mind and build your confidence far further than you'd ever thought. You actually knocked 44 minutes off the course record. That must have been amazing. Yeah, no, it was, it, it was a good day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, but it was, it was a day that I learned a lot, though, as well, because I'd never obviously, I'd never run that distance before in the hills and I just kind of I suppose I learned a lot in terms of like you know kind of you know taking on food and you know if I was to do it again there's probably a lot of things that I might do differently but I suppose that's all part of the process that you you, you kind of learn as you go yeah because food you don't realize how much calories you're burning do you and when you're green and coming into these long and, and pushing your limits for the first time, you're not even thinking about that. You're just thinking about survival. Let me get through this. Enjoy it as much as I can. Big smile on your face. Talk to everybody that you see. Um, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the sights. But actually, you're yeah. burning so many calories and you're not thinking about that. And that's yeah. what r really can come and bite you. Like. Yeah, like I was pretty slow the last 5K of that race okay i feel like shaking you like at least tell us 25k <laughs> no but i was and and that bit is on the road so like i didn't even have any reason to but i really was i was definitely dead at that point like if if it had been another 20k i probably yeah it wouldn't have worked so well yeah but to be fair after coming off the mountains your legs are pretty hard on the road so we'll give you that one okay <laughs> So you decided then straight after that then, because this is still within the last 12 months, so let's keep that in mind. Um, you're really blossoming here. So you decided to go down a year last June. I think it was the last one of the 10 years. So yeah. what drew you towards that? So after uh, Wexford, we were all kind of like sitting around in the tent chatting because uh, it was raining outside. So dangerous, you dangerous. I, yeah, that's exactly where it all went wrong. And uh, Nicola Duffy, I don't know if you know Nicola, yeah. said, oh, are, are you going to Belfast? And I was like, no, why would I go there? That's like 24 hours. And um, I think Lorraine McMahon had mentioned it as well. And I was like, no, that's for crazies. Um, so it was like this little kind of, I don't know, it was just there in my head. And then I thought, oh, I might never be this fit again, so I might just give it a go. So I signed up for that, and I did that two weeks after Wicklow Way, actually, which probably wasn't a great idea. But yeah, I just another lesson, I suppose. Like, cause you you feel great, but there is fatigue in there, isn't there? Yeah. So I did Wicklow, and the week after that, then I did Rogaine, which is like an orienteering kind of 24-hour challenge. Um, so I probably was tired going into, I say probably, I was. Yeah, I was just, just I, waiting I to pounce on you there. <laughs> I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have admitted that at the time. Um, 
So I went in and it was actually, it was a really, really hot day. And I set out way too fast. Like, I have no idea what I was thinking. Um, and this is really embarrassing. But anyway, so like three hours into the 24 hours, I was like, oh, no, I do not feel, um, I just didn't feel good. It was the heat. It was the tiredness. It was, your, oh, yeah. It was, your, your second mile was 9.07, just so you, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually not that fast, but, but it's well, fast. It's in a 24 hours, very fast, yeah. yeah planning on doing 24 hours you know and uh so that was one of those things where like I wasn't gonna like I wasn't gonna quit I wasn't gonna give up because I had to do 100 miles that day because I was doing something else later in the summer and I needed to know that I could run 100 miles so I I think it was really just a case of kind of problem solving that day it was just like okay this isn't going well but I still have to keep going. So I just have to kind of find a way to kind of tap into something to kind of get myself going again. So I definitely had a, a kind of a couple of dark hours in that one. And I remember um, Richard Noonan was crewing for Ian Keith and uh, he kind of said to me, you know, when you're doing anything else in the future, you can always look back on today and think, if you can get through that you can get through anything and that is something that actually kind of like it definitely stuck in my head for for all the races that I've done because I really did not feel good that day but it was it was such a funny one because after like I, I did end up feeling a lot better as the race went on and I did enjoy it later on because there were so many people there that I had met and were having a laugh and all this sort of stuff and it was really good fun um but I remember I was off work the week after I did that and it was just I was so down I really was because I kind of thought sort of I don't know I did 189k that day and I just thought I wonder what I could do if I didn't go into it tired or if I didn't take off too hard and it was definitely one that kind of you know, I was kind of like, okay, I definitely want to do another one of these. Even though you were tired, etc., going into that race, and even though you'd done a race <laughs> in between that and Wicklow, um, you know, you have to go through those periods. You know, some people say that's the wrong thing to do, but actually it sounds like for you it was one of the best lessons, not, not to do it, but how to actually work through, some people call it the pain cave or those hardships, and you're only ever going to tr find your true potential once you've been in and out of that pain cave a few times in those dark places. And if you avoid yeah. that, when those moments come where you've got to make that decision, you know, if you haven't been through those, you're going to make the wrong decision. So yeah. I wouldn't um, say it was the wrong thing to do. I think it actually it's building your character the whole time, isn't it? Yeah, and I do always say that I learned a huge amount from that day like I really really did not just about not doing things week in week out right that's the obvious lesson um but like I learned a lot about myself and the fact that you can like you can keep going you you just yeah. your body just adapts to... your body was adapting that's what this process was all about and that's what we're really talking about over the last 12 months it just kept on 
adapt and repair him both physically and mentally yeah. like i'm sure when i know we have without jumping ahead i'm sure you could look back your entire life the last that last 12 months the amount of growth that you've gone through is unbelievable like yeah it, it's funny like it it's a bit surreal isn't it yeah. you know, kind of look back at it like sometimes when I'm thinking about it I feel like I've been doing this for ages and then I like you were saying there about Wexford like only being 11 months ago it's kind of like gosh it feels like a really long time ago but yeah I do find that when you do because I'm a bit greedy with the events as well um and you know I don't care because I enjoy doing them you know there's that yeah. aspect of it as well but when you look back over a year you feel like you've had a good year because you've done that you've done this you've done that and you know years when I've done less you know it feels like the year went by very quickly and there wasn't you didn't really have that much as if it's not as memorable is that what you mean yeah. like like the more you do the more you kind of yeah you remember the years they don't kind of just bleed in together as such yeah so you've done the 100 miles you went yeah. past i had a lot of friends that were there who went past 100 miles it wasn't easy to get there some people you know quit at 96 miles god love them <laughs> just couldn't make it and um, i think it was 117 miles you managed um so then you went into connemara which was in august a 100 mile road race my good yeah. friend sean nickel was there i think he podium third i think um yeah, I'll have to cut that out. I'll have to take out the think bit. <laughs> Sean Nickel podium that. <laughs> he came third. Um, but that went fantastic. Like, absolutely. Firstly, why did you go into that race? Just because I wanted to see if I could do it, really. Um, I don't know. It just I kind of... Because it was there. It was, like, it was there, yeah. And it looked interesting. And I just... I don't know. You see, the thing was, like, last year... I just there were so many races and I'd look at them and I'd be like yeah I want to do that I want to do that and it just I don't know it just got a little bit out of not out of control but it was like everything was just so exciting and so new that I just wanted to do it all I think, the, I think you should be out I think the word you're looking for is greedy <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know I, I I thought it looked like a really an, a nice one to do now I think it is a great event. I do think out of all the ones that I did last year, it was probably like, it was probably my least kind of favorite as such. Um, I also got clipped by a car in that race, which was not so good. Um, but uh, yeah, you see, so uh, when you're doing that race, you have to have a crew that follows behind you in a car the whole time because right, okay. uh, you're on open roads. And uh, it's it's just a very strange kind of feeling having the car behind you the whole time, and I just didn't, I just didn't like that. And that's 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 the only thing about the race that I think mm. I didn't like. And you weren't getting that sense of freedom that you no. were getting in the other races, I suppose. Exactly, and do you know it's so funny, right? I can be out in the hills for like hours by myself, and I do not feel lonely or isolated or anything like that. I really enjoy it. But that race with the car traveling behind me the whole time, I actually felt like this is the loneliest thing I've ever <laughs> You've been stalked for 100 miles along the road. <laughs> Paranoid wreck. 
Oh, it's just, it is really weird, you know, and you feel like you've been watched the whole time. It's, yeah, it's very strange. Um, but yeah. it is a beautiful place, though. Let's put, Connemara is absolutely gorgeous, like. Oh, it is. Unfortunately, um, it was a rainy day and it was quite misty, so we didn't see a huge amount. <laughs> this or... is such a bad advertisement for Irish running, by the way. Every long endurance race you're doing, it just rains and rains and rains. Um, but I suppose one of the reasons why you went into this race was because you were in such good form. And that's why you had confidence to pick these type of races. Yeah, well, I wanted, I, it was just, it was the distance as well. It was the 100 miles. Like, I know I had done that um, in in energy, but I suppose that's a much safer environment. Does that make sense? It's just laps. So it's not the same kind of challenge as doing it on the road. And the, the the course profile there is quite undulating. So it's, you know, it is more challenging. So Yeah, it's a proper it's a proper hundred mile race, but you came first yeah. in that race. Um yeah. did that surprise you? Um or did you have an inkling that there's a potential a possibility that like you could get a podium in that race? Yeah. Like I hope two in that one but I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been sure to be honest with you um because I suppose Anne Jennings was doing that race um and Finn O'Mara and I just no I wouldn't have been sure going into that one to be honest so did you already have the carry way then marked before that yeah yeah okay so that's one race I want to really unpack um it's on my bucket list the 200k carry way i've done a podcast with a friend of mine paul clark who done it yeah. a couple of times who got lost and cried his eyes out for hours <laughs> but he done phenomenally I well i can tell you so why the carry way like the carry way is a huge race it's a cut off 40 hours 200 kilometers in a beautiful part of the country like um september though you're bound to hit rain in that one um, so why did you select that? Uh, because it was longer than Wicklow. <laughs> so it just seemed like the next, it just seemed like the next one to do, if that makes sense. Um, so Kerry's kind of a funny one for me, right? Because uh, say of all the races that I did last year, it, it's the one that I feel I would really like to go back and do again. I think I can do a lot better in that one than I did. Um, so Connemara would have taken physically a lot out of me because 100 miles on the road is different to 100 miles in the mountains. And I I just think, like, it took me a couple of weeks to kind of be right again after that one, you know. Um, so I think Kerry, I'd definitely like to have another crack at Okay, so how many weeks were there between Connemara and Kerry? Like three or four weeks? Um, I think about four, yeah. Okay, so your training really was just on the back of everything we just talk, talked about, really, wasn't it? Was it real? Was there any real structure to it, or was it really just you were picking the races and that was just building momentum? Uh, it depends on your definition of structure. So in my head, there was structure. Uh, but I suppose if you were to look at it properly, there probably wasn't. But I wouldn't have, I probably didn't realize that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, but like what I do is I might have like two A races for the year. I do loads of races, but the rest are just B races to sort of pick off. 
Um, but there is logic. People think you're nuts doing X, Y, and Z, but logically in your head, you've convinced yourself that, yeah. So that is an element of structure. I feel I've got structure, even though I don't have a plan or anything like that written down. Yeah, well, in my head, all those races were logical in the sense that I felt like they were all building towards something else. But I can understand now that somebody else would look at them and say, oh, you were probably quite fatigued or you were probably whatever. But in my head, I kind of thought, okay, I've done 100 miles now. Yeah, I can go and do carry. Like, that made sense to me, you know. Yeah, so what was the, I'm going to unpack this race in a bit more detail because it's one that I want to do. Um, so the week leading up to it, because um, I always find myself, I'm like, oh shit, the night before the race, I'm packing my gear again. I've had a busy week in work. I don't have much energy left and now I'm trying to get my, yeah. I always say to myself, I'm going to do this the weekend before my bag's going to be packed and it's going to be at the front door, but I never do. Um, so yeah. how is your preparation and lead up to a race like that? So for Kerry, actually, um, I did a couple of reckeys for Kerry and um, two, actually, uh, which is a couple. But anyway, uh, so they they had organized one, which was a 90K um, and that was in July. And then a couple of us did another section of it as well. Wow. Um, That's quite a big recce, though, isn't it? 90K. Yeah, it was like two weeks before Connemara. <laughs> So I was like, that's a huge recce like <laughs> but anyway um so in terms of like carry a lot of my kind of planning in my head was in terms of like just getting enough sleep in the build-up to it um I felt like I was making more progress in terms of what to eat along the way and stuff like that for for Kerry so I would have had like I ate a lot more real food in Kerry than I would have in in other kind of races before that um and I think like for me because I think everybody's different and you can't advise anyone on what to do because you're not them you know um I just like it, it was about having food that I wanted in different places and stuff like that like it was just I don't know I, I sort of just used everything I'd learned in the other races and just applied it to that one except for like getting lost that wasn't so great so I managed to um uh, so there's there's a few parts along the Kerry way okay where the 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 signposts are like um I can't even remember them but say say it's Cahar Daniel overland Cahar Daniel over mountain like so you if you haven't wrecked it or if you haven't looked at the maps it'd be really hard to figure out where to go right so I have no problem I, I, I get through all of these kind of signposts and I get back to Killarney National Park and I I ran by the turn to go into the park, which was, of course, downhill. And uh, I knew I'd gone wrong when I got to a crossroads and there wasn't meant to be a crossroad, so I had to track back uphill, which was really not so good. Um, but that was about maybe, I'd say about, 29 hours in or so at that stage maybe 29 and a half uh and my mind was just completely because you're kind of tired do you know that sort of way um, <laughs> 29's in yeah sort of understand yeah that. yeah a, li a, li a little bit uh so you're, you, like you're still mentally strong but you're not as you're not as strong as you would normally be so making a mistake kind of has a bigger a bigger impact on you and uh, I, 
I kind of thought at that stage, I was like, I could lose it over this, do you know, that way. And then. Because you were in first place, thought, like you knew you were yeah, in first and, place and then you'd gone off. And yeah. And all that hard work that you've put in just from that one silly mistake can overwhelm you all of a sudden. Yeah. No, honestly, Robbie, I really like I because my husband was down at Torque waterfall and he could see on the tracker that I'd gone wrong like but obviously there's nothing anyone can do and my phone was dead at this stage nobody can ring me like the race the race director has like a, a laptop with all of us on on the screen you know so if you go off course I think for something like more than 15 minutes or something they'll ring you to let you know but sure my phone was dead like so nobody could ring me and tell me you know um but I really I was really shaken actually by that because I, I just thought I'd lost it. And then when I came into the park, I did a completely unnecessary loop because my mind was just like, my mind was just gone. I just and that was near the finish line, the park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it was like, I just didn't want it to end. I just wanted to keep going and going. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I really, I was actually like, I was, I was quite upset at that stage because I just I really just felt like I'd blown it you know what's the train like in Kerry is it technical is there a lot is there a lot of climbing in it I don't know how much elevation's in it yeah I don't know either um I've googled I probably... the hell out of that question and can't find so see there everyone's afraid to say how much it is or nobody knows <laughs> yeah I actually I do have uh all my stuff from the recce's which I'll send to you if you want and that'll that'll give you an idea and um, terrain isn't really that technical and um, there is actually a good bit on the road um which i think you need to be prepared for if you're going into it because it, it is actually quite hard to go from trail onto the road like you you do quite you, you kind of feel it um but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's overly technical at all okay what shoes were you wearing then to try and accommodate both sections um, I wore a pair of Dynafish Alpine Pros for that. I actually I won them for, as part of the uh, for the Wicklow Way, so that's that's how I came across those. And but, do, you, do you have much issues with your feet over those long distances? No, I'm actually quite lucky in that sense. Um, I don't have like something awful is going to happen now after me saying this out loud, but I, I don't tend to have issues. Yeah. it's like because people people always ask about that and they ask about socks and shoes and all this sort of stuff um like i just put vaseline all over my feet <laughs> and uh, my socks are like these um they're like workout wear ones from dumb stores <laughs> so if they get covered in vaseline and i end up having to bin them it doesn't matter because it's three pairs for 350 so like but i understand like other people have different preferences for socks and shoes yeah, and but if it works stuff. it works like you know you're just trying yeah. to find that equation that works for you as simple as that and um, for some people it's a yeah. minefield and other people like yourself can get away with like 350 socks with loads of vaseline that just might be yeah. the answer for everybody actually so what time does yeah, the race start at what time did the race start it's six, six o'clock in the morning six in the morning so yeah. it's in September, so around eight or nine o'clock, you know, dark starts coming down. Um, so you're yeah. enjoying it up to that point. Um, are you running on your own then as you're going into dark? 
Yeah, so actually I ended up completely on my own for the night section, right? Um, it was like, it was fine in that like, so say if you're looking at like nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night, like it was, it was dark, but it was perfectly peaceful. And it just felt, it felt almost magical. Like it was really, really enjoyable. Um, I do think though, could say like, if you looked at the pace I was kind of going at, maybe between like about two and four in the morning, I was quite slow and I probably might've benefited from having somebody around at that stage you know just for like odd little chats or whatever it just didn't work out that way yeah. on the day but it's pretty amazing though isn't it i liked when i done the wicklow way and i actually went into dark i, I was planned to be finished before dark but i actually was glad you yeah know, i was running over the wicklow mountains in the dark on my own i actually ran into a herd of deer at one point which was amazing oh, just after cool. the second checkpoint and um yeah. It was such a weird sensation because I was thinking to myself, like, years ago, I would not have done this. I wouldn't have walked up this path on my own. It's too creepy. But now I'm actually enjoying it, the solitude of it. Like, and Kerry Way is meant to be one of the darkest places in Ireland as well. So it's meant to be beautiful if you get the opportunity to see the stars coming out. Yeah. No, it was actually a clear enough night. It's just, it was just really really peaceful that's the only way I can kind of describe it like and it was just it was sort of surreal as well you know you're kind of like right I'm literally on my own about <laughs> like my poor mum was like at home with it with the tracker thing on her laptop refresh refresh like making sure I was still alive but um yeah it was just no I think that was probably not all of the night section now, but I think a good part of it was probably the most enjoyable part of the race, strangely. Yeah. And what about your fuel then through that? Like, were you using any strategy or just, you said you were eating more solid fuels. What type of food were you eating? Mm, I had like sandwiches, sausages, all sorts of, you know, like flapjacks, stuff like that. And um, I, I had like uh, naked bars, uh, nature value bars all that sort of stuff and I was just kind of trying to get the calories in if you know like that was that was just the kind of focus like every hour I was trying to like eat something and I I had like I had all these little bags kind of prepared so at each checkpoint I'd take a bag so that I would have every kind of option in it. It didn't mean that I had to eat the whole bag of food. It's just meant that I had, like, if I felt like a yogurt, I had, like, you know, those little kind of pouches of yogurt. Um, so I would have that. Or, you know, I, I had the full kind of range to choose mm. from. You just don't know what's going to happen, do you? You don't know what you're going to fancy and what you're not. There's nothing worse when you're doing an ultra race and you open up your bag Oh, I don't fancy any of that at all. <laughs> you close your bag because <laughs> you haven't, it's too sugary. Your whole bag's all sugar and you're like, oh God, I'm past that. I need a bit of savory right now. Yeah. Do you know, and that's one of those things that I kind of learned along the way. I'm a total sugar fiend, right? Really bad. And uh, so like at races, I'd keep, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to really want all these, Um, like I'd have like, you know, bubblegum busy bubblegum things cola bottles all this like really like, total sugar and yet every at the end of every race that was always what was left over and I couldn't believe that I never yeah. thought oh that's stirring it like it's really strange um so 
it takes us a wee while to change that thought process because when we're running marathons it's the first thing you'll grab at the side of the road somebody hands you a jelly baby or something give me that so when you start ultra running it's hard to let go of that you soon soon learn um, that it can cause more trouble than it's actually worth yeah yeah um the checkpoints you talked about you have you're allowed one drop bag aren't you you can have one bag at each checkpoint. Yeah. Oh, you can. Um, yeah. What was the most important thing that you had in your drop bag? Is there anything that stands out in your mind that you were glad was there? That sort of saved you at any point in time? No. <laughs> That's probably not the answer you were looking for. Sorry, you probably wanted something more insightful. Um, but no, the one thing I do think I was really glad to have in Kerry, though, and if you're thinking of doing it, I definitely would bring them with me was poles. Um, I don't like, I don't think you'd need them if you were doing like 50 K race, but I think over 200 kilometers, um, they're really good. Not just because they save your legs a bit on climbs, but sometimes just to get your rhythm back when you're running, even on flat, which sounds totally like, I understand that sounds a little crazy, but it just kind of, if you're focusing on on right left right left right left you know it, it gets you back in the zone and can get you going again yeah no 100 percent, i agree with that like you know even on the flat as you say you can tap out a bit of a rhythm and you're focused on yeah. the rhythm then rather than actually what's happening um, exactly. anything to distract you at all can be a good <laughs> thing especially when you're on your own after 20 odd hours in the middle of the night <laughs> Good job i enjoy my own company um so that's when you actually came onto my radar because you actually won the 200 kilometer carryway ultra um over yeah. a short period of time so when you had done the 12 hours as well i said like, who's this girl just won the 12 hours like where did she come with never heard of her name before next you know she's winning the carryway and if you go into the run ultra website you know it always shows you the difficulty of the race and i always laugh okay. when i look at um carryway because it says brutal it doesn't say it doesn't say hard or very hard it says brutal so it does give you the six points for utmb um so it does show you how difficult it is there's quite a big jump between the five point races and the six point races as well yeah there is a lot of roads though in kerry you know i do think like i think it's it is really long obviously at 200 kilometers but it's not i don't i don't know there is a lot of road though in between all those hills you know i i'm not saying that it shouldn't be six points but don't misinterpret me i'm just i don't i don't think i'd describe it as brutal though yeah what word would you use challenging (laughs) that was a good answer actually good quick answer so how did you feel at the end of that finishing that that must have been again you're actually getting the same sensation at the end of each one of these races because it's a bit further, it's a bit more challenging, but you keep on winning. So that one, I think I was relieved, to be honest with you, because up until I actually finished, I was just so worried that I'd messed the whole thing up, to be honest with you. And I was just, I was a bit annoyed at myself as well. So yeah, that one was kind of like, I it, it was just relief when I was finished, yeah. Um, you've done quite a lot at that point, hadn't you? So if you think back to June, the Wicklow Way, 127 kilometers, energy, I'm jumping between kilometers and miles now, but 117 miles. 
in June and then Connemara, 100 miler, but you also done the 90 kilometers in July um, for the oh, recce. Yeah. And then the Eco Trail after the Kerry Way, which was like three weeks after at the 80k Eco Trail. I remember seeing a picture of Owen Fenton. There you go, Owen. You got another mention. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was Carl Richards as well that was with you. Yeah. Um, how was that race? You know, it really interested me that one, but it was um, the same weekend, I think, as Chamonix. Oh no, it wasn't. Yeah. Sorry, it was a. Uh, it was the end yeah. of September. Um, so I did fancy that, but I didn't think I would have been recovered enough. But eighty kilometers, Wicklow Way is your sort of home territory now, isn't it? Uh, I spent a little bit of time there, yeah. Um, so actually, that race that was a really I really enjoyed that race. Um, I had done one potentially the week before in Aherlo. Uh, so that was like two weeks after Kerry and that one was a real kind of like, that That one was a bit of a slog, I'm not gonna lie. Um, so by the time I went to Eco Trail, I probably was um, a little bit tired. Uh, but the race itself, because it was like the last one that I had planned for 2019, it kind of made me a little bit kind of competitive about it. Because um, I kind of, I went back and forth with it, another girl in that one for a good bit. Um, I can't remember where she was from. I think she was like Slovakian or something. I don't know who she was. Um, like I, I didn't know of her before the race. Um, but uh, I think it was actually really good, though, in that race to kind of have somebody to kind of like um, to go back and forth with it. It kind of pushed me on a good bit. Um, but in terms of like terrain and everything, that was that was a really good race. And it was it was a good day. It was a nice kind of finish to the season as well. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy, though, when you think about it. You enjoyed it and you won it. Um, so all of these long endurance races, you know, after coming off the back of like four and a half hour marathons for the last seven, eight, nine years, um, all of a sudden you go to do your bucket list. I'm going to do one ultra. And next, you know, bang, 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 bang. Watch out, everybody. Here comes Aoife. <laughs> and it's, have you ever read the book, um, A Life Without Limits from Chrissy Wellington? No. Um, pick up that book. 20. You sort of remind me a little bit about that, where you have, I've said on the podcast before, you know, what happens if Jim Morrison never picked up the guitar or John Lennon never picked up a pen to start writing? There's a lot of people have something special inside them. But unless you try these different things, sometimes you, you'll never get to unlock your potential. And this is exactly what's happened here, really, isn't it? Yeah, actually, when, when my mom was talking about, like, running and me she always likes to tell people that as a teenager she couldn't even get me to run for the bus um so like it is funny that sometimes you are capable of all these things and you you just don't realize and you don't know until you actually challenge yourself and push yourself a little bit and I suppose it goes back to that whole idea of like how a good goal or a challenge it needs to kind of scare you and it needs to excite you in equal measure and that's what a lot of those races kind of did for me you know like looking at Kerry if you consider like the year before 
when I was doing the carry away light that night when I was lying in bed and I knew I was doing the whatever it was 50 whatever k the next day and I was petrified and I thought about those people doing the 200 and how like they were just definitely nuts but it was that kind of like like fear is probably the wrong word but it's that kind of you know you're pushing yourself to do something completely different and it's just the unknown side of it that kind of it spurs you on a bit and I don't think there's much in life when you get older that kind of does that so they say that fear can be your best friend or your worst enemy you know it comes down to your choice and how you want to frame that yeah yeah and how you respond like you have to fight back like you can't just go oh it's 200k I'm not going to do it or it's whatever I'm not going to do it you have to be like okay (laughs) you know you have to show up yeah and that's why I love ultra running um so much because it allows you to challenge those fears and once you get past those it starts building Mm. confidence in those um but you have to go through that journey like you know this isn't something you can bypass it's very valuable lessons that you're collecting the whole way through agreed yeah now it is um, so then that's when you got October, Dublin. So it just yeah. goes to show, you know, you'll hear a lot of people saying, oh, you're doing too much, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And then you went and run 3.33 in Dublin, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you listen to Dean Carnazes, you know, he'll tell you the best advice he gives to people when they say, what do you do after, you know, a long race? He goes, go out the next day and run. Yeah. It teaches your body to adapt to that. Yeah, you yeah, know, and yeah. very much when you talked about the eco trail there and doing the race the week before, even though you're fatigued, you're really growing that strength and that ability for your body to understand what's going on and adapt into that. Yeah, and I think eco trail. Uh, I'm just not going to say this out loud, and people are going to like totally disagree. Um, but I think if I hadn't have done the race the week before Eco Trail, Eco Trail probably would have been a lot harder for mm. me. Does that make sense? Because it was like I was kind of shaking off the cobwebs when we were yeah, in no, Aherlow. I, I was actually thinking that when you said it the first time. So you have that fatigue and you have that breakdown in your muscles um, from the wickle away. But that race must probably shook them up and loosened your legs up a bit again, ready to go again. Um, so when I did contact you then in... Well, actually, before that, um, you went to Chamonix just to do... So did you do the Tour Mount Blanc Trail or did you just go hiking? We covered a good bit of it um, when we were over there. Just It was just kind of like to have a break after all the, the kind of racing madness. <laughs> Let's have a break. Let's go to Chamonix and run up and down the Alps. No, we were hiking. We weren't funny. Okay, okay. So are you able to hike? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hike? Oh, but sometimes, sometimes I end up running down. Yeah, but yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know. You have to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a super week actually, and it was just, it was nice just to kind of have a week out to remember what it is that I really enjoy about being out in the mountains, and just you know, it was just nice to kind of switch off for a while. Yeah, it's very important not to lose why you started to begin with isn't it yeah yeah you have to remember that because otherwise you'll just get caught up in times and not that times aren't important i get that they are for people and stuff but you have to remember 
what it is that motivates you to do what you're doing or what it is that you're seeking to get out of it you know yeah 100 percent. so chamonix then did you come back yeah. with any thoughts about you know i've got six points now from the carry away ultra utmb tds ccc <laughs> don't, don't you know that's exactly what happens right i obviously so, knew the answer I, to that like but yeah 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 they sent me a pfo so i ain't going this year but um so i kind of said that this year i'd let january kind of decide what 2020 was going to be for me now obviously the things have happened in the world and that may now all change but um i had applied or stuck my name in the hat anyway for utmb and i found out about that when i was over in athens i think that was on the thursday and then i was doing the race in athens on the saturday so i said okay if i get utmb that's going to be my big kind of 2020 goal that and that was the one that i really really wanted and then i said okay if that doesn't happen i'm going to try for euro 24 to get on the team for that and then if that didn't happen then it was spartathlon (laughs) (laughs) i was like i've got to get one of them yeah yeah. and that does make it complicated when we're going for those type of races you know because because i'm still looking at the time scale here from the wicklow way 58 oh sorry yeah the wicklow way and so the Kerry way 58 kilometers light till going to athens to run 24 hours around the track yeah um do you enjoy that type of running as well because i know when i've had ian keith on the podcast you know he loves both of them just as much because the track just strips it back down to pure running. That's what he loves about that. Do you get the same sort of sensation? Well, yes, but I also think the 24 hour, there's a lot of strategy in it and there's kind of, there's a bit of mind game. Now mind games is probably a bit kind of, maybe that's been overly dramatic about it but it's just it's just a different it's a different discipline um so you you kind of have to think about different things in the 24-hour race so when you so if you're doing a point-to-point right you you can mark it out you can say okay right when i get to x when i get to y but when you're doing 24-hour you don't have that and you have to be a lot more disciplined and strategic. They're just they're just different, um, but I think both are enjoyable. Yeah. So, what were your aspirations going into that race or that event? Uh, so I wanted to qualify for the Irish Twenty Four Hour Team. Um, to do that, I needed to deliver 200 kilometers in the 24 hours. Okay, so I said, okay, but obviously everyone else who wants to be on the team is going to be thinking, oh, I need to do 200 kilometers. So I said, fine, uh, if I can do 210, that'll give me like a little bit of a buffer, and if I do 220, that would be amazing. Um, so that was it. I had I had the the pace for both written on the back of my iPod and off I went. <laughs> so. And did it go pretty much the plan? 
yeah, it just, so I went into it and I said, okay, if after like Belfast, I had learned some lessons and I said, you have no business doing a marathon distance in like less than four hours at the start. So that's just be careful in that point. And then I just didn't allow myself to think of anything else until I hit 200 kilometers. That was it. Like I wasn't allowed, like I wasn't allowed have any kind of pity party there was no like it was just you just have to go in and 200 kilometers and we can think about other things after that but until then that's it it sounds like a lot of focus that like you know a lot of energy like how did you how were you able to keep those gremlins away for so long i don't remember hours of the race like literally hours of it i have no recollection i was just like I just went in and I was like, this is, this is what I'm doing. Now, when I, I suppose, obviously I, I had done Belfast and I've done other races, but when I turned up in Athens and um, there was all these, um, so like different international people there. And I was looking at people had teams and physios and all this sort of stuff. And I really felt, I was kind of like, so it's just like myself and Paul and a bit of yogurt. And these people have all like so I really was a little yeah I was a bit intimidated now I have to say um but but I just had to switch that off though as well because I mean you could let that kind of get under your skin as well so you just yeah. can't think about it is it pace that you're focusing on then to try and you, you must occupy your mind with something like do you start thinking about your shopping list or what are you going to be doing next summer or are you just totally blank or are you focusing on pace and just assessing your body or honestly it was just about like I just had to keep going and make sure I wasn't going too fast wasn't going too slow and making sure I looked like I was having a great time <laughs> so um and just I don't know like I really had to be disciplined in that one because it's just so easy to look at people around you and they're moving faster than you and you you know it can it can unnerve you and it can make you want to kind of push a bit harder and I was certainly like I, I don't know where I was in the ranks but I was certainly way down for hours and I just had to kind of I just had to say like you know that's okay I'm here to to run my race I'm not here to to beat so-and-so or you know it, it just took a lot of I just had to be really controlled about it yeah so coming up to the 200 kilometers then what was the were you aware of what the record was before you entered the race I, I had looked at it um a couple of months beforehand and obviously I had looked at the wrong one because uh, there's different ones for like track and road and all yeah. this sort of stuff and I so I had thought at that time that it was 227 right wow. so I did one I, I did 189 in um Belfast and so when I kind of suggested oh do you think I might be able to do 227 I think that might be the record um like my husband is so incredibly supportive like and he's all like he always pushes me on um and I could see this kind of like oh I don't know about 227 um so then I kind of 
I kind of dismissed all thoughts of records for that one and I just kind of said okay if I can do 220 on the day well then that's that's a good day but then when it all kind of started clicking into place and um so then Paul was like checking the record and he was like oh it's 230 or 231 or whatever it was um he kind of was like oh you you, you can do that you can definitely do that and <laughs> <laughs> so then, then then it's funny because like you you need to keep having something to aim for it you know that kind of way so once 220 had come like there, there needed to be something else to kind of yeah to kind of work for it you know how did that feel then when you hit the 231 it was it, it was surreal to be honest with you um because you see i hadn't it hadn't been part of the plan so it wasn't um it was a bonus yeah, I wasn't really prepared for it, you know, so I was a bit kind of, I was a bit shocked. And because it was such a jump from Belfast as well, I'm not sure I would have 100% thought I could do that. Like I did think 220 was achievable. I thought it was pushy, but I thought, yeah, I, c- I can do that. But I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been sure on 231 now. Yeah, but you were quite ahead of yourself then like 220k generally when people are doing that you know you'll find that they do 220k and if they're lucky they've got a couple of extra kilometers on top of that it must have been pretty emotional when you come to the end of that with 143.22 miles like i think ian keith's record and don't quote me on this on the track was 152 kilometers yeah he's an absolute machine an absolute machine and he's do you know what he's so nice and so kind of generous with his time i have to say anytime i meet him out i would meet him like sometimes in in the hills in wicklow and stuff and he's always like he's always full of smiles and it's just you know genuinely lovely guy gentleman um you swam in your past i did um have you ever thought about buying a bike oh so uh kind of uh it was something that i started thinking about recently enough because i i i like the idea of something different something else to kind of aim for um but i have no i have no cycling experience whatsoever so that would be the challenge there if i was to to have a go at a triathlon we'll see um Aether, that was absolutely amazing today i want you to pick up the book called a life without limits by chrissy wellington um, Chrissy Wellington holds the world record for Ironman, so not trying to plant any seeds or anything like that. Um, but that's absolutely splendid, absolutely amazing journey. Um, for anybody that's out there that's sitting pushing a four and a half hour marathon, or you know, just try it. Don't be afraid. Take that leap. So, what's the worst that can happen? You're so right. People can, people just limit themselves sometimes. You really can do anything if you actually just if you just allow yourself. Excellent. Ethan, thanks very much. I'm sort of like, I took a lot of your time up there, an hour and a half. Um, I just keep talking. I'm really sorry. I just go that's on. what happens when you get two people that really, really talk. <laughs> it's an amazing journey you've been on though, isn't it? I bet you can't believe the last 12 months. Like, it's just like, like if you go back 18 months to where you are now, like, yeah. and now you're the Irish record holder for 24 hours. Like nobody has run further than you on the track in 24 hours in Ireland. Yeah, it's, 
I don't know. Like it, it's it is all a bit surreal to be honest with you because it wasn't part of the it wasn't part of the plan. That makes sense. <laughs> it just kind of unfolded that way. Yeah, I would love to see you at a backyard event. You have the likes of Big Dogs Backyard Ultra there, and you've got Camille Heron and Courtney Dewater, Maggie Goodall. You know, your name's ringing around around those people now with those type of distances. I sincerely doubt that, but I would definitely love to do one of those. Like, And it was only because of the timing. And I, do you know what? I should have just had a go. Um, but I would have liked to do the last one standing in February. I thought it was too close uh, to Athens. Um, but then it mightn't have been as a you know as a first time experience doing yeah. it like i just i think i'd enjoy the strategy of it but anyway the, you have to keep something for for later yeah just to finish um what are you doing now at the minute to keep fit with all these races cancelled and things like that because it's difficult for somebody who's built such an endurance aerobic base to maintain that uh so i'm just continuing to train as if something is going to happen and uh i think maybe i need to focus on a goal that i can control rather than you know a race that needs to to happen if that makes any sense whatsoever okay that's brilliant if i'm gonna let you go but i wish you all the best no matter what happens thank you, I oh, thank you so much i appreciate that and it was amazing talking to you all right okay. see you soon yeah cool take care this has to be the most impressive progression that I've seen from any athlete to go from an average four hours 30 marathon over a seven year period to become within 12 months Ireland's 24 hour track record holder. I'd just like to finish by saying this is a very crazy time. The world is struggling to manage with the coronavirus so it is important that each one of us do what we can by not taking risks, maintaining social distances and only traveling to places where necessary. I'd like to give a big shout out to everyone in the NHS. They really are battling this on the front line, placing themselves at risk for others. We really can't say thank you enough. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're stuck inside, why not take the time to listen to a few older episodes? We will get through this. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving. <laughs>